0: Well, Harrier, it's been a few weeks since we last spoke. Yes, indeed. I was called back to the aisle on a very important business. Tell our listeners your very important business. Ahem. A family reunion, meditation conference, fried cheese bake-off competition. <laughs> Funnily enough, the part that surprises me is the meditation conference. Anyone who knows a sprite knows how very unfocused we are. So my sister Buttercup, you remember her? She can now focus for four minutes. She is, after all, my most serious sibling, and she taught us all how to do it. Oh, my. Well, did it work? Nine seconds of complete silence. It was very zen. Wow. I honestly can't imagine your family quiet for half a second. That's very good. Good. You guys did great. We were incredibly proud of ourselves and got riotously drunk afterwards. <laughs> well, for those who need a reminder, in last week's episode, Penny ventured to the Crystal Caves with Drifa, where those afflicted with the death sleep were kept for safekeeping. Enjoy episode thirteen, everyone.
1: The Story Weaver Chronicles, Penelope and the Hob King, Chapter 13. Fox. He hesitated from banging on the thick black doors of King Mikal's throne room, and instead pressed an ear against their cool wood. Captain Gillitrut's shrill voice pierced the air over the king's deep bass. Fox could not hear their words. He sighed and turned back to his chambers. He would have to wait to address the king at another time, a time when the captain was away. Part of him wanted to never bring up the matter that plagued his mind when all he sought was comfort, and he had been so comfortable lately. An injured paw when they kidnapped the Spider King was an excellent excuse to avoid the king and the captain. King Mikal knew how well he liked to nurse a wound, so Fox had enjoyed a few days to himself, eating hand-reared rabbits from the hutches, luxuriating in the steam caves, and being tended to by the young ladies the king deemed too plain to execute. The households of Atmos were upended, The king had kidnapped and killed many beautiful folk maidens in his quest to win over his daughter in marriage. He hoped to prove that her beauty passed the beauty of the rest of the women on the isle. Now, the king's madness took more and more bizarre turns as of late, and he sought beautiful hob women in search of the goddess who had cursed him so many years ago. Hob, mothers, and fathers started hiding away their beautiful daughters and angering the ones they did not hide. The people of Atmos who lived in anger at the weaver of stories for allowing their beloved king to wallow in insanity, now lived in fear and hatred of their king. The tense muscles in his back screamed at him in hot pain, the stress from the last few days weighed heavy on his back and through his neck, so he turned from the corridor to his chambers and descended the steps into the king's steam caves. Sentries stood at their posts and gave him a passing nod as he walked to the low cavern. The steam caves never ceased to impress him. Tiny entrances throughout the city opened into wide chambers holding warm, volcanic waters. The twin waterfalls that powered the city roared over the caves. He entered the womb of the earth and felt nourished and safe within its folds. The power of Atmos made him both proud and afraid. He furrowed his brow, realizing that Atmos would never fall from the outside, but could certainly destroy itself from within. He lowered himself into his favorite pool, It lay dark and foreboding, but was only a meter at its deepest point. Minerals in the other pools caused them to glow with fluorescent blues, pinks, and yellows, but the black pool was what he liked best. He drew the rich mud from the bottom and coated his forepaws and legs with the stuff. He tried to relax, but his mind wandered to cursing Captain Gillytrut, After the massive fire in the meadow of the spiders, the captain had taken to raiding the borders and kidnapping newly hatched spiderlings and older spider folk who were too weak to fight. Was this what their city had descended into? Abductions and executions? Lying back, he tried to close his mind to his thoughts but heavy guilt gnawed at the spot between his shoulder blades. He could not let go of his worries. He knew that kidnapping young folk maidens for the occasional execution was folly. But to turn on the young women of your own kingdom and to attack the ancient peoples of the spiders, this was to draw a curse upon oneself. He kicked his legs back and forth wishing for the opportune time to speak with the king and tell him his fears. But the captain was never far away. He shook himself and decided that maybe now was the best time to head to bed. When a dark form approached him, the smell of rotting flesh gave a name to the shadow, and the massive figure of King Mikal lumbered towards him. "'Ah, my dearest friend and constant critic!' The king lowered himself into the pool, for it was his favorite, too. "'What are you doing out here, this late at night, and with an injured appendage?' Fox sensed the mocking tone in the king's voice, and chose to speak with care. The captain had been poisoning the king's mind. "'Nothing does an injured paw more good than a soak in the steam caves,' He smiled, hoping King Mikal wouldn't notice the nerves in his voice. The king nodded, his eyes closed. A movement behind a stone arch caught Fox's eye. Captain Gillitret ducked into the shadows, a mere three meters away. I apologize, my king. I must leave, Fox bowed. I didn't realize we were being watched. The king turned around and cursed under his breath. trutch must I never see a moment's rest from your scrubbed potato face? Be gone, vermin. He snapped his tail in the captain's direction. The little man scowled at Fox before bowing to the king and leaving. For the first time in many years, Fox noticed that King Mikal looked defeated and old. He glared after the captain, cursing him for adding to the king's confusion and worries. My king, if I may, you do not seem yourself. I believe the captain has added to your troubles. The king sat silent for a moment before sighing. He is a loyal soldier. He controls the army like no other captain can do including you and I. He arched an eyebrow and pointed an accusing look in Fox's direction. Embarrassment filled him and he lowered his head. It was true that the Hobbes did not respect him any more. He had once been their best strategist and most cunning officer. Now they called him the fine Fox to his face and muttered far worse behind his back. He did not care for the hob's respect. He only cared to have the respect of the king. But he feared he lost that to Gillitrott's lies. King Mikal leaned against the pool's rough rock wall and scratched his massive, pock-marked hump before continuing. Captain Gillitrott commands with fear. He has spies all over the isle. He's a good hob to have by my side. Fox scraped off the mud on his forearm, disheartened by the king's confidence in the captain. He decided he must speak now, or die with guilt on his head. One would say it is not wise to attack our neighbors in the south. His heart pounded heavily in his chest. King Mikal squinted down with disapproval, but did not interrupt so he continued. We will also bring the wrath of Voxmarchin on our head if we allow the captain to continue kidnapping the folk maidens. The king appeared to listen, drumming his claws on the
0: wall. What would you have me do?
1: Hope flickered in Fox's chest. Finally the king seemed lucid enough to reason. Return the spider king and his subjects to the meadow of the spiders. Beg his forgiveness and pay restitution for the lives lost and the land Zephyr consumed. He backed off here, waiting for the king's reaction. A spark of anger flashed across the king's eye, but he only said, "'Continue, dear friend.' Fox swallowed his fear. Now was the time to tell him all. "'Stop the executions!' You will never find the goddess this way. She may very well have changed herself into a bush or a pond or an old woman. You are taking innocent young lives. Kimi Call's blank face proved hard to read, so Fox pressed on. We are looking for one girl, the Weaver's daughter. If you stay focused on finding her, then we can finish this work we started. You already have the Weaver. Her daughter is so desperate to find her, she should be knocking on our gates any day now. The king let out a throaty growl. You're walking on steam, my friend. King Mikal leered at him, and he stopped, confused at the king's sudden turn of favor. A dark shadow walked up behind the king, and Captain Gillitrutt materialized at his side. You see, my king, the coward has no taste for blood or for releasing you from this curse. He's choosing the easiest path, not willing to try every recourse to change your fate. So it would seem, the king mused. Fox growled. he realized what had happened, a trap set up by the Captain Gillytrat. He tried to appear disinterested. "'What? I thought you had gone, Redbeard?' he laughed. "'You are not the only one who can listen from behind closed doors,' the captain retorted. "'I didn't realize I was the enemy. If I'm not cut out for night raids and kidnapping little girls, so be it,' Fox turned to the king. I can serve my king with good humor and company, by your leave, my grace." His legs shook underneath him as he pushed himself out of the pool and turned to go. "'No,' King Mikal interjected, "'Gilly is right about you. Too many questions on whose side you're on. Too many unanswered disappearances. I need you here, where I can keep an eye on you.' Fox's ears twitched in annoyance. House arrest? Good. His own room, his own bed, bottles and bottles of wine. That could suit him very well. He should have stayed there in the first place and not tried to talk sense to his mad king. Guards, take him to the towers. Captain Gillitred's voice pierced through the heavy air. Fox turned a bewildered look to the king, who nodded in agreement and waved the sentries over. No need to rouse them, he snorted. I know my own way, and I prefer the south-facing tower, as the sunlight is better there. He turned on his heels as the guards gathered around him in tight formation. His fur prickled with the king's betrayal, and he vowed not to rot in the tower long. Queen Ashen Poodle. She muttered incantations over the emerald-hued mirror and turned the eye of the sea dragon medallion around to peer into it. The ancient dragon glass warped her figure as she waved her hands over its dimpled surface. Two shadowy figures materialized, and she recognized the Hob King and Captain Gillitrut. This time, they were close enough to the mirror for her to hear them. A dragonglass mirror covered the entire wall of the king's throne room, the twin to the one she held in her hands. Usually the king sat on his throne to discuss affairs of state, too far away for her to hear his conversation. This didn't stop her from watching from afar. This time he and his advisor paced before the mirror. She leaned in closer to hear their discussion. Their voices reached her ears as a hollow and distant echo. "'How long until we can release Fox?' the hog king asked. He seemed agitated and swiped at a tapestry hanging on the wall. "'Only until you are released from this curse, your grace,' the captain said. The hog king shook his formidable head. The tapestry began to rip. He dragged his long claws down the length of the fabric, snapping each thread until it hung in ribbons. "'This will work, my lord,' the captain goaded. "'How good it not! We know the old goddess disguises herself as a fair maiden, and we know that her death will release you.' The king nodded again. "'But we've killed hundreds of fair maidens.' Hobs and folk alike. The king glowered at the little man. We haven't killed the fairest. A wide, garish smile stretched across Captain Gillitrut's face as he turned to the mirror. Queen Ashenpoodle couldn't help wondering if he knew about the dragon glass, but he began to pick at his pointed teeth, and she realized that he did not have the power to see her and who is the fairest in the land the hob king asked princess snow captain gilert turned his gaze upward and for a moment his eyes locked with hers she gasped and pulled away from the dizzying distorted mirror it took a few moments for her heart to slow down long enough for her to regain her thoughts they were after princess snow She couldn't let them near Snow. They could already have access to the palace. So many travelers came through her gates, fleeing the borders from the hob raiders. Any one of them could be an agent for the captain, an assassin with a mission to kidnap Snow. She rang a bell and ordered her maid to fetch her guard. She covered the mirror with a heavy black cloth. She knew that her magic mirror went one way, but feared Captain Gillitrette, and knew he dabbled in the dark arts. She didn't want to risk anything. "'You sent for me, my queen?' Her guard bowed low before her. "'Yes, hi.' She bent down and lifted his chin, peering into his eyes. They had healed. The poultices the mountain witches provided cleared up his torn pupils. "'Your eyes look much better.' "'Yes, my queen.' Thank you for attending to me. He bowed. Stand up, high. You'll need to listen very carefully. I swore to the king that I would take care of Princess Snow and love her as my own. She is my own now. She couldn't stop her voice from breaking. High nodded. She could tell he didn't understand why she was garbling on so. She grasped her hands in front of her, afraid that she would grab the young soldier too tightly in desperation. "'I—I I have news that the Princess Snow is in great danger. We must throw our enemies off the trail, so—' She paused, searching for breath. "'We must stage a murder. I will become the jealous queen, afraid of old age, and envious of my stepdaughter's beauty. Hi—' Here she peered in anger at the young man. You felled me in the forest. He looked at his boots with apparent shame. I'm sorry, my queen. How could I have known that Trifa would betray us? I was going to bring the girl to you. I swear. I. She sent him a withering look that stopped his rant. Her hands closed into fists so as not to grab him and put an end to his mindless excuses. Don't annoy me, Hyacinth. Who knows why Drifa abandoned her duties. You just try to redeem yourself. She paced across the room. Take Snow to the hunting lodge of Dwarve. Seven of my oldest companions live there. They used to be servants in my father's household. She peered deep into Hai's eyes, making sure he understood each word. Leave her with them. It's close enough to the crystal caves that if our enemies use the dark arts or manipulate the viva of stories, then she will be within a safe distance of the cave's protective powers. Yes, my queen. That's not all, she paused, afraid of what she would say next. She didn't like it one bit, but she loved her stepdaughter and decided that this was the best recourse. On your way back... Kill a deer and bring me its heart. Tell everyone you meet that the crazy, evil widow queen ordered you to kill Snow White and bring her Snow's heart as proof. Tell everyone I want word to get across the border. High looked sick and uneasy at the prospect. It's the only way she cast a side glance at the velvet-covered mirror, praying that her plan would work.
0: What'd you think of that episode, Harrier? Well, I missed it. I really did. I had fun visiting my family, but I'm glad to be back. Oh, how did the fried cheese bake-off go? Oh, if you've ever had twelve and a half tons of fried cheese... With 4,000 of your closest relatives, you would know that it quickly becomes a symphony of the most rare and exotic thoughts you could ever imagine. What? It's amazing what the chemical components of fried cheese sounds like when it's coming out of your ass. Amazing! I wish I could have been there. Goodbye for now, everyone. Be sure to tune in to episode 14.